Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Here, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because poof goes the owl, this is MuggleCast episode 187 for December the 21st, 2009. everyone, welcome to MuggleCast episode 187. Happy holidays to you all. You know, I said it last week, but I want to extend the greeting again this week. And uh, we're joined this week by Mikey, Mike, uh, and Laura, and Eric. Hello, everyone. Happy holidays, friends. Hey. Happy hey. holidays. Happy holidays. So good to be speaking to you all. And we were just speaking about this before the start of the show. Laura has turned 21. Happy birthday, Laura. Oh, thank you. Now you can divulge all those secrets we've been wanting to hear for years and years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know that this is the appropriate forum for that. but Yeah, you guys have three other podcasts you can do that exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Laura, how was your birthday? It was fabulous. Um I went, I went a lot of places, so we'll just leave it at that. All right, yeah, so wow. probably best to leave it there. <laughs> I want to know more. Well, you know what? Even if Laura was going to tell us stories, I would say, Laura, I'm sorry there is no time because we have so much to talk about this week. We, we have do. lots of news to catch up on, tons of emails, and we're going to get back chapter by chapter. And, uh, oh, so much more. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Mikey B. Tannenbaum, we're approaching the end of the year here. News is slowing down, but we still got plenty of things to talk about. Isn't that right? Yes, Micah? that's right. <laughs> What's in the news, Slowly buddy? falling apart. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but uh, Harry Potter was the top movie trend on Twitter for 2009. On uh, Tuesday, Twitter released their top trends, and uh, one of the categories was movies. And uh, Harry Potter made it to the top of the list. Uh, not really a surprise. 
Nice. I'm surprised that it wasn't Twilight. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I gotta be honest. I would like yeah, to what, know how close they were, because they were close, right? Twilight was right behind them. It was number two, yeah. Well, New Moon, technically, yeah. was the term. But, um, yeah, that that's pretty impressive. I guess... I don't know. I guess we're in the Harry Potter time. Like, I wasn't as focused on Twitter, because I don't remember seeing it much, but yeah, that, that that's great. That's uh, great news. And it was very cool that Twitter uh, made up all those different lists, you know? Well, they like, have nothing yeah. better to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, no, they're trying to look legitimate. Google does that sort of thing sometimes. So. Right, right. Well, well, I was going to say is Harry Potter, I don't think necessarily it was a movie trend, because Harry Potter would cover all big Harry Potter news as it broke. That's a good Whereas point. New, New Moon would be only around the movie itself. And when you look at Twitter trends, it's just, you know, how many people are saying Harry Potter. You know, every big piece of news that happened this year would have had the Harry, yeah, Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. And there was a lot of big news this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. It'd be That's interesting to see. Did MuggleCast contribute to that? You know, we trended on Twitter last we week. We did. Surprise. Yes. Well,. If they had a top podcast trend list, I bet we would have been we in We would have. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, what else is going on in the news? Well, last weekend, uh, Dan Radcliffe and David Barron, I think it was supposed to be David Yates, though. Right, but uh, him and Mikey caught the same thing. Yeah, apparently. David Yates was sick. Well, me and Yates were hanging out, and uh, it's, I, you know, I think <laughs> I actually Kentucky? got sick from him. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he had come down to Kentucky, and we were uh, hanging out. What can I say? <laughs> but they... They hosted this um, Blu-ray Half-Blood Prince screening, and Andrew, this was last weekend, I think, you actually yeah. participated in this, you wrote up a review. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, actually, I, I ended up not writing a review, I just linked you, everyone you said to you all my notes. A I, I did, but I didn't. <laughs> I linked everyone to my notes instead, but this was a really cool, we've been talking about it for a while, we've talked about it, you know, coming up previously, uh, on previous episodes. Uh, basically what happened was anyone who had a Blu-ray copy was able to watch the movie at the same exact time that David Yates and, or sorry, Dan Radcliffe and David Barron were watching it. And they were talk, they would talk about the movie. So it was like a live movie commentary. And it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, they were answering, people could also submit questions. And so they were answering questions the whole time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a fun time. We learned some cool things. Uh, I took some, put some notes down dan said his favorite film was uh is is still order the phoenix and he says it's because of the relationship between harry and sirius dan is like i'm starting to think he's in love with gary Oldman. yeah gary oldman because he always (laughs) well that's something we have in common (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't love gary oldman yeah well no he's a great actor and you know it's it's funny to see dan's uh dan talk about you know how much he loves gary oldman but uh, uh, we also learned that, um, somebody asked why Dumbledore's funeral was taken out of Half-Blood Prince, and David Barron, uh, who was the producer, said, it just felt like we were suffering from multiple endings. And when people saw that, they were like, uh, I think that's kind of a BS answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it just all comes down to time. Well, can I say, I, I actually watched Half-Blood Prince over the weekend. It was the second time that I've seen it, and... When I saw the ending to the movie, particularly Dumbledore's death, because uh, I, I, I had seen this in the Google Doc that you put here, and I have to agree with probably what some of the fans said, and that is, I did feel that the end of Half-Blood Prince was lacking something. Really? After watching I, I it was... again, yeah. I, I think yeah. they could have done a little more with it. I agree with you 100%. It was definitely lacking something in the couple, 
I've probably watched it about five or six times since I got it because it's on my iPhone and everything now. But uh, oh wow, yeah, I, I, it's all over the place with me now because I got the nice big di- edition. But do you uh, have it in your bathroom? I have it in my bathroom. <laughs> it's not playing. Like I don't have like a digital photo frame playing it nonstop. Oh. But uh, <laughs> that's actually exactly what I did. I rigged my thing so it just plays videos. The um, I I, I thought uh, it's interesting too that that happened. I read your recap, Andrew, or your notes. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the for the bullet points there, but um. But yeah, it was fun. I felt like I was was on the call. Yeah. So I hope they do it again, because uh, you know this is the first time we really got a commentary from Dan Radcliffe. My only issue was they didn't they didn't talk about the actual film as much as I'd hoped to, because people were asking questions that weren't exactly about Half Blood Prince. Dan and David would occasionally interrupt a question to be like, "Oh, this scene right here. This is you know." They would say something cool about the scene. It wasn't a true commentary, but you know they were still talking throughout it. It was it was it was fun. It was really cool technology. And I'm glad they did it. So you think it'd be nice to get the trio though commenting on some yeah, of the movies? Yeah, you know, and this is the closest we've gotten to that so far. So, what else, Micah? Onward. Well, we have a little bit of news here on Deathly Hollows. Uh, exactly. Uh, Tom Felton was making the rounds uh, for the Half Blood Prince DVD, and so he was talking a lot about the final film. And uh, one of the interviews he did was with the Wall Street Journal. And uh, another one he did was with MTV, and Dan Radcliffe also did an interview with MTV. And uh, we got a little bit of an insight into the final battle scene. Uh, Tom was quoted as saying it was Western style between good and evil. And uh, <laughs> what I, I thought that was funny. This town ain't big enough for the yeah, both exactly. of us. Get out of here. Draw. <laughs> Western style. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be like a Western style. Stick him up. Anyway. And he also talked about um, Dan being on set kind of bruised up and battered and beaten down and how, I guess, uh, it's going to be weird seeing these films two years from now because what they're filming now won't be seen until 2011. You know, how kind of weird that's going to be for them. That is weird. I mean, they're going to, they may look completely different. Tom's going to stop bleaching his hair. Tom won't have any hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, they've mentioned that. Like, they're very concerned about, like, you know, and they they take good care of, like, Tom's hair and everyone else's hair who they have to bleach. But I keep hearing lately about these interviews. In these interviews, Tom talks about how much he hates bleaching his hair uh, because, like, <laughs> it's killing it. <laughs> so he may be bald. Yeah, but, um, no, that's what I liked reading most about uh, in these articles was him talking about Dan. And how basically he's like the whole set, you know, everybody on set just like looks at Dan and it's like he says something about that that embodies like the mood that they're in because of like how intense Dan is getting. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It it must be very odd feeling to know you only have a couple months left, like, you know, acting, becoming Harry Potter. Like if I was Dan or the rest of them, I'd be sad I wasn't going to be those people anymore. It'd be the last time. You know? Yeah, and Tom... Two more rides come in the theme park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But Tom was talking about the uh, filming with the adult actors as opposed to... I I guess you can't really call them child actors anymore, but with the trio and all the other people in Hogwarts. Now he's going to be spending some time filming with Helena Bonham Carter and Ray Fiennes and probably Jason Isaacs, so he gets a little bit of a different taste for, you know more seasoned actors, I guess you could call it. So he said he was really looking forward to that. Cool. That is well, interesting. Good to them. It's looking exciting. 
I'm rereading book seven again right now, and it's a nice refresher because now we're getting all this movie material and. You know, gotta. It's nice to revisit it. It's nice to revisit it. Yeah, yeah. Just like it's nice to revisit you, Mikey. Oh, I know. Wait, what happened? What? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Go on, Micah. Speaking of revisiting, uh, Hmm. the older movies, anyway. Nice transition. One thing that got looked over really with uh, our live show last week on Half Blood Prince was that Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets came out with Ultimate Editions, and. I don't know who here owns them. I don't. I know Andrew probably is the only one. Um, you want to do a little bit of a mini review on these yeah. DVDs, just kind of give people a taste of what they can expect. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much that we overlooked it last week. It's that there was so much other stuff to talk about that it was like, let's just hold off. But I, these, is anyone else planning on getting them? Maybe asking for them for Christmas? Or mm-hmm. Christmas. I mean, too. It's no. my Christmas list. <laughs> I they mean, are. they're only twenty nine ninety nine, which shocks the heck out of me. I mean, my yeah, it's pretty cheap. Yeah, my DVDs themselves are actually falling apart. So I, I of those two movies, so I, oh, I should now's probably... a good time to yeah, yeah. But I mean, basically, what the reason you you buy these are for the um the the, the each part of the documentary, uh, the creating the world of Harry Potter documentary. It's an eight part documentary. Um, there's one part on each Ultimate Edition. So with Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, we got the first two parts. Really, really in-depth look at... How long this, are they? Uh, they were both over an hour. The Chamber of wow. Secrets one was longer than an hour. So when it's all said and done, we're going to have about a 10-hour documentary about the making of Harry Potter, which is incredible, I think. That is very cool. Yeah. And... um and what's really also nice is how they're all packaged. They're um, hardbound boxes. Comes with each comes with like a full color book. Um, uh, lots of nice pictures. These oversized like solid trading cards. It's just a nice collector's edition. And as I said in my review on MuggleNet, I'm really looking forward to having all eight and you know sitting right next to the books. And like you know, it's just a great thing to look at and have on display. It's it, it's a beautiful collection. So. Um, overall, I would uh, definitely recommend these as, as uh, good holiday presents. And, Andrew, uh, what's the difference yeah. between the Blu-ray versions and the DVD versions of the Ultimate? Uh, nothing. They're other identical. than the movies being on... Yeah, and the documentaries in Blu-ray, too, I think. But not all footage is HD, especially when they but you know they pull interviews from the Sorcerer's Stone Chamber of Secrets days you know so wait is there an ultimate edition blu-ray yes yeah. there is that's the one it's i it's not asked four for. discs though is it no it is it's the same exact thing but it's just blu-ray yeah uh, overall very good uh, very good collectors items if you're if you need the dvds again definitely go for these ultimate editions and if you once you have all eight oh ah oh, oh, it's just beautiful it'll be beautiful <laughs> right there on your bookshelf andrew <laughs> Right there on my bookshelf. You did talk about the, uh, on the last show, on the live show, you said about the, the DVD games and stuff. Are they still on there? Isn't it an exact copy? Like, do you know? Yeah, there's, you um, know, it comes with all the original DVD special features, I believe, I think. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the price isn't too bad, so. Speaking of those uh, Ultimate DVDs, I just wanted to plug something real fast. Um, MuggleNet is doing uh, an Ultimate Edition sweepstakes. That's right. And, um... For those of you who don't know, you can go on to MuggleNet.com. There's a little ad in the top right-hand corner that you can click on. But the cool thing about it is the grand prize for whoever wins this is a brand new Blu-ray player and then both Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets uh, Ultimate Edition Blu-ray. So enter. Enter the contest. And then there's also three first-place prizes after that. But 
Cool. I mean, it's worth entering, I think, man. If I can enter it, I would. Oh, definitely. Um, a couple quick feedback items we got through Twitter. Uh, Allie's Mom 25 said, Thought that we were getting Rupert's original audition tape on Sorcerer's Stone Ultimate. Didn't see it. Documentaries were great, though. And it, may, it may have been not on there. I'm not sure. I haven't really done a completely thorough look. but That's a good story that I know we don't have time for, but just Rupert submitting to, to news rounds Lizo for the audition. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story. He, he's, he's told it on several interviews, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's really good. Yeah. He says it on the documentary too. And, um, one other tweet, uh, Edwards a says ultimate editions were awesome. That, uh, there's totally a shot of Xenophilius love good in the chamber of secrets, fourth disc, the documentary. Um, it's awesome. So yeah, that we got like one new piece of, uh, movie seven footage and it was a behind the scenes shot of uh xenophilius lovegood uh so cool stuff all around definitely recommend the documentary i mean i just i i just get all giddy thinking of a 10-hour harry potter documentary by the time it's all done <laughs> Woo-hoo, that's big yeah it is big stuff it's an all-day event yep one other item of news micah what is it well uh we won <laughs> we won. What did we, we go win, home? Micah? We won a new Blu-ray. No, uh, <laughs> we won at the 2009 Podcast Awards in the Best Entertainment category. So thank you to everybody who went out there and voted for us. I know Eric was there live on uh, Skype and he accepted the award for in us. In costume, don't forget that he was in costume. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's his regular. Clothes. Oh yeah, I, forgot. yeah this, I don't know what you're talking about. I just. No, it was it was good fun, and uh, thank you. Yeah, I didn't get to thank he he sent out this this promo material, and I don't think I got to thank everybody who who listened and everything because it was just it was question time at that point. But um, but thanks to everyone who voted for us for sure, and all our listeners Absolutely. and stuff. Absolutely, we really officially. appreciate it. Yeah, and we actually just got noticed. Uh, we got mentioned on the Lost podcast with Jay and Jack this week. Yeah, are they? They serious? were our. F- they, <laughs> yeah, they actually invited you onto their show to defend your honor. To defend MuggleCast on her. <laughs> what do you mean defend prove, it? What do I have to do? I, that's what they said. They're making accusations that we're conspiring against the uh, U.S. government. They're trying to shut us down because they think that we stuffed the ballot box. They think that <laughs> no, we that cheat. would be another one of our shows <laughs> where we would be considered U.S. conspirators. Well, was he serious or? I no, he was serious about the invite. Oh, he actually he actually oh, was really serious nice. about the invite. So you should probably go check it. Okay, you know, well, check yeah, maybe out. I'll email him. No, I've I've heard of Jane Jack. I haven't. It's a really good Lost podcast if you're a fan of Lost. It is. It is. I used to listen all the time. Yeah, I did too. So. I stopped watching Lost because I got really far behind in the episodes. But um, yeah, they do good. They were our show. fellow nominees for the best entertainment category. So okay. they were a little miffed. Well, sure, I would love to hear them talk about that. I'll definitely listen to the episode and uh, maybe I'll go on there and explain that we are innocent until proven guilty, of course. <laughs> uh, okay, so last week on episode. 186. That's all the news. Thank you, Micah. You do a You're fabulous welcome. job as always. Happy holidays to you. Um, Thank you. It's <laughs> beautiful. Happy Hanukkah. Andrew. Episode 180. Oh, yeah. Happy Hanukkah to you, Micah. Sorry. Merry Christmas to Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Happy Kwanzaa, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What is Laura? Some Eastern religion? What? Don't you celebrate Ramadan or something? Yes. Uh, we're not making fun of any holidays for the record. We <laughs> say happy holidays to everyone. Uh, so anyway, episode 186, it was all about the Deathly Hallows trailer. Uh, but Laura and Mikey were not on last week's show, so we wanted to get their thoughts about it. Mikey, what do you think about the trailer? I'm hearing a sigh. You uh, know, I, I was actually, you know, it's one of those things where the first trailer comes out and you're just always so excited. 
Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm excited and scared because it's coming to an end. Um, right. It looked. But did you like the preview? Yeah, I did. I did. I, but I always like the previews, and I think I always work myself. <laughs> I always work myself up, and then I'm right. let down at some point. But I really like the preview, and I think this one because it's. I think it's because it's a bigger story arc almost. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be the best one. I think yet. it's going to be the best one yet. I really do. I do. <laughs> I hope it is. Me too. <laughs> I'm hoping. You know, it's a two-parter. You know, you're going right. to be like, you're going to be like, I just hope it's not like Pirates of the Caribbean two and three, where it's like it really was part one and then part two. And you're just like, I just wasted two and a half hours of my life just to get to the second. The second <laughs> Please half. don't mention those movies ever but again. But I'm just saying, like, I really hope it doesn't like come up anywhere near that. Well, hopefully, it's the best two-part Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I hope it's the best two-part Harry Potter. And you know what? I will almost make the bet that it is going to be the best two-part Harry Potter we've ever had. I think I'll put money down on that, too. Yeah. Laura, what do you think about it? Um, I really liked it. I mean, I think it's clear that it was a very preliminary type preview. Um, but I thought it was very mysterious. And I think particularly for people who haven't read the books, it's going to kind of come out of left field and they're not going to really know what's going on. But I don't yeah. think that's a bad thing. I really mm. loved how at the end of the trailer, you just hear like, you you don't stand a chance. I just thought that was yeah. great. So I thought that was a really badass yeah. uh, cliffhanger. It got me really excited to see more stuff from the movie. We have some uh, emails in response to uh, last week's uh, live show. Just, you know, some comments about the uh, about our discussion last week. Um, the first one comes from Lisa, 29, of North Carolina, and she talks about the naked Dan Radcliffe at King's Cross, which, of course, was a very hot topic last week. <sighs> um, hello, first off, fabulous show, everyone. Okay, so I was listening to the last episode while you were discussing the nude scenes coming up in Deathly Hollows. You were wondering about how Dumbledore would react to a naked Harry Potter. Well, in the book, he was naked, but he realized this and wished he had some robes, and on, and on a seat appeared a set of robes, which he put on prior to seeing Dumbledore. So, most likely, they'll be doing that in the movie. Also, in the other scene, Harry took off all of his clothes to jump, jump into the frozen pond to retrieve the sword. So maybe that is what they were referring to. I love this. Rupert's hand is going to come down, grab Dan out of the <laughs> pool, and he's going to be like, dude, you're naked. Ew. And he's going to pull his hand away. Well, like, what was what was he thinking? Jumping in that freezing cold lake alone, man. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know. But in regard to the first point that Lisa brought up, I think she's right. We didn't we didn't totally clear that up on, on the last episode. As, uh, as the, in regards to her second point, Harry taking off his clothes to jump in the pond. The only reason I can think that that won't be the case is that David Yates specifically said it's going to be this vision that Rupert or Ron has when you know he He's... grabs the, or tries to destroy the Horcrux. Well, he didn't say specifically that that was the only other time because didn't he say right before that that there were several times, like several scenes? Maybe because I think maybe I mean I think in the book Dan, in the book Harry actually does get naked to jump in the lake. And then ends up right. nearly yeah, dying of hypothermia. Right. So, so, I mean, but... It'd be silly It'd be silly if they, you know... So maybe that'll happen, too, other... what you're saying, additionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I thought we were just joking about the whole Dumbledore thing. I think we were. Well, naked, it's, it's, it's straight out of Potter <laughs> Puppet Pals, really. <laughs> we were absolutely referring to Dumbledore getting excited about Harry being naked. That, <laughs> that part was a joke. <laughs> well, it was weird. It's just, you know, it's in the... King's Cross, walking around King's Cross nude. It's kind of doesn't translate to film that well. 
Laura, could you read the next email? Sure. The next one comes from Shoshana, age 20, of New Mexico. She writes, Hey, Mugglecasters. In episode 168, you were debating whether Vern Troyer or Warwick Davis played Griphook. I just watched the Sorcerer's Stone Ultimate Edition special features, and this is what I found out. In movie one, Warwick Davis plays the scary goblin bank teller that says, and does Mr. Harry Potter have his key? And Vern Troyer plays the goblin that takes Harry and Hagrid to the vault and says, lamp please, key please. In movies seven and eight, Warwick Davis will play, let me say that again. In movies seven and eight, Warwick Davis will play Griphook. You'll probably receive a ton of these emails, but I hope this helps. Eric is the best. Cheers, Shoshana. I think, um, I think that's the definitive answer. Yep. If someone else didn't wants you to email say, him, didn't free. you reference that exact interview to say that they credit Warwick Davis as playing Grip Hook in, in the documentary? Movie one? They do. Uh, yeah, in the documentary they do on the Ultimate Editions. So, and one last email about the trailer today, Mikey. Could you read that one? Sure. This comes from Elizabeth, age seventeen, from Austin, Texas. Hello, in the Deathly Hallows trailer it, that just came out on the Half-Blood Prince DVD, there were a dancing scene with Hermione and Harry, one that David Dates mentioned was his favorite. If you remember in an interview with J.K. from a while back, she said, while Ron was gone, Harry and Hermione experienced some ch- uh, charged moments. I think this is his way of trying to incorporate that into the movement or movie. So I looked into this because I was intrigued by this charge moments comment. And as it turns out, J.K. Rowling had said this to our friend Melissa from Leaky for her book, Harry, a History, um, that there were that's where the charged moments quote came from uh, between Harry and Hermione. Um, and this is the quote from uh, Melissa's book. I actually think this she released this on her uh book's website, harryhistory.com. Um, Steve Clovis had said to Joe after reading the book, after reading Deathly Hallows, you know, I thought something was going to happen between Harry and Hermione, and I didn't know whether I wanted it or not. In response to that, Joe says to Melissa, Cloves felt a certain pull between them at that point, and I think he's right. There are moments when Harry and Hermione touch, which are charged moments. One, when she touches his hair as he sits on the hilltop reading about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and, <laughs> and, uh, Another moment is when they walk out of the graveyard with their arms around each other. Now the fact is that Hermione shares moments with Harry with Harry that Ron will never be able to participate in. He walked out. She she shared something very intense with Harry. So I think it could have gone that way. So I thought this was a really good catch by um Elizabeth who wrote into us. Uh I think this would explain it. Maybe Cloves wanted to add this extra sh- extra scene to um exemplify the that that chemistry, those charged moments. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. So that's nice. I can't wait to see that. Of course last week, uh Laura, we joked that they were gonna be dancing to Lady Gaga and sharing well, secrets. Of course, why wouldn't they? Well that's what I'm saying. She's in right now, so <laughs> In That's what? what we all do when In we're together. Style. So, exactly, we share secrets over Lady Gaga. <laughs> all right. Well, enough about Gaga. We have a few emails about um, episode one eighty five's chapter by chapter, and then we'll get into this week's chapter by chapter. Um, Eric, you want to read the first email? Yep. First email comes from Jade, age thirteen, from Ohio. Her subject is the Sorting Hat. Hey, Mugglecasters! First of all, I want to say I love your podcast. It provides a safe escape for my inner Harry Potter geekiness. 
My comment is on the chapter by chapter in episode 185. When listening to the podcast, I noticed that some of you were almost enraged when Harry didn't ask the Sorting Hat why he wasn't in Slytherin. That was a main question that puzzled me about his house placement, and I think that truly Harry was a Gryffindor, but his connection with Voldemort through his scar and the Horcruxes caused the Sorting Hat to see major characteristics of a Slytherin in Harry. What do you think about it? Love your show, and... Keep up the amazing work. You know, I wasn't on that episode, but I, I always wondered why he didn't ask. But if I think about it, you know, he was young then. There was really no reason for him to go that far. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. In, in hindsight, you know, he should have asked. It would have solved a whole lot of problems. But uh, maybe the uh, maybe he wouldn't have gotten him anywhere. Maybe the sorting has has a uh, no spoiler policy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And well, and plus everyone was staring at him. You know, it's not like they all can sit up there all day and have a little chit chat with the sorting hat. So, have a but isn't tea. there that scene with Dumbledore where it, he's talking to Harry and and Dumbledore tells him that yeah. he w- didn't go into Slytherin because he asked the hat not to put him there? It's at the end of the book, in Dumbledore's office. Mm. He also tells him that, that Voldemort transferred some of his power on the night that he killed. He doesn't say he transferred his soul, but he says he transferred it. That was the same conversation that happens at the end of this book, the end of Chamber We're of Secrets. We're not there. That's a spoiler. Next email comes from Matthew, age 12, of Michigan, and he says, Hey guys, I was wondering if you thought it was a little too lucky that all the petrified people somehow managed to survive and none of them died. This is my first email. Love the show and keep going strong. We couldn't have people dying in Harry's second year. It's a G-rated picture. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, also, how long did it take till Myrtle died the first time, you know? Yeah. It took a while. I I mean, the question is valid because, I mean, you have a basilisk on the loose. Right. But I thought that was kind of part of the mystery that was cool because... If you don't know that viewing the basilisk indirectly is going to get you petrified, it actually helps to root out the basilisk as the culprit. You know, yeah. it, it makes it that much harder to figure out what's ha- what's doing this. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was kind of clever in the end that it was like, oh, you know, Justin must have seen the basilisk through nearly headless Nick, et cetera, et cetera. And Nick couldn't die. And yeah. It all, yeah, exactly. Nick got the full blast, but it can, and it it makes all this sense. So I really liked actually how it was that people were petrified as opposed to killed, and not just because it was too soon for that. I, I just think that that was kind of an well, additional. It also brought some tension. It was sort of like, ooh, is someone gonna die? Is someone gonna die? As yeah, you exactly. read the book. So well, yeah, yeah. And- lucky. Yeah, the Mandrakes. Yeah, and I also like that, uh, you know, as we get to in this chapter, that they find out someone did die, and who it was was someone who. You know, we learn about this year in right, which mm-hmm. I thought was, you know I thought it all tied together really well. Like going through this book, I, I kind of remember how much I love how everything is nice and neat, and everything ties back and forth. And you know, yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I forget yeah, the back. I, I forget how much you know each book before as you le- read further books, you learn. Go, oh my gosh, that meant this in book whatever and this. And even in yeah. this book itself, it's like you read something in one chapter, you're like, oh, but that means this and. I forgot how much uh, the series does that. I really enjoy it. Next email is from Gwen, 14, of Laguna Niguel. How do you pronounce that, Mikey? You're Laguna Niguel? Laguna Niguel. You're down the street from there. Come on. I know. Well, I got Laguna right. (laughs) Laguna Niguel, yeah. Andrew Andrew sometimes sleepwalks into Laguna Niguel. He doesn't know how to pronounce it. Hey, everybody. Love the show. It's hysterical. I had a question that no one's been able to answer for me, and I was wondering if you guys would know the answer. If two squibs have a wizard child, Child. Is the wizard considered a muggle-born? Thanks for your help. No. 
I wouldn't think so. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't because Squib is not a muggle. There's a Squib is not the a Squib muggle. is just right. a non-magical wizard. Yeah, so they still have the they still have the wizard blood. So yeah, mm-hmm. can still see Hogwarts. Yeah. For instance, yeah, Squibs yeah. can see Hogwarts. Yeah, so so no, they'd be a Squib born. Which <laughs> right. <laughs> Squibbleborn. <laughs> Squiggleborn. Squibble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Laura, next email. Sure. Next one's from Shannon, 19 of New Jersey. She would say, everyone, in episode 185, when you were discussing in chapter by chapter, you were talking about this new Hermione breaking rules to make the Polyjuice Potion. You discussed one reason being that she wanted to see who the heir was. While I agree with that, I think there is also another reason that you didn't mention, and I think that also played a role. One of her motives may have been that she wanted to feel academically accomplished. The potion is a difficult one, and the fact that she is attempting it and is successful, well, at least for Ron and Harry, at such a young age really is just a testament to how smart she is. I believe she is doing it just as much for the experience as for finding out who the heir is. Love the show and keep up the good work. Heart, Shannon. Yeah, well, I definitely agree she was doing it for... um you know because she she was she was primarily motivated by the fact that she just wanted to figure out the you know what to, to solve the mystery yeah mm-hmm. and, you know we see this in all yeah. the books so well i mean harry is the one who wants to or harry and ron both are like oh it's malfoy it's malfoy and she's like wait you know we have to actually figure this out yeah i mean hermione um, is certainly not one to be like oh uh there's a rule getting the getting in the way of us solving a mystery we will not do this you know. But, again, you know, the Polyjuice Potion needed to be brewed, what, over, like, three moons or something. So it's, like, this ridiculous amount of time. And I think that definitely appealed to her, which is what Shannon is saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Eric, next email. Next one comes from Elizabeth12 from Philadelphia. Uh, okay, so we all know that we have that they have Quidditch at Hogwarts, yet you have... You have to try out for the team. Most schools want all kids to be on sports teams, yet Hogwarts only allows a few. Also, to top it off, they have huge unhealthy food at every meal and do not have health class. Not that I am a health freak and love health class, but you would think that the teachers would care about kids staying healthy and being on sports teams. Anyway, love the show, Elizabeth. I completely agree. It's time to get some fitness, some physical education going on in Hogwarts. I think you underestimate how physically uh, challenging uh, exploding snap is. Well, also consider the fact they have to climb around this ancient castle all the time. That's true. That's true. Seven floors of staircases. Yeah, well, also, also, don't they, uh, aren't wither- wizards just healthier in general? Like, didn't Neville Longbottom fall out of, like, a two-story window and just be okay? Because he's a wizard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so, it's like, they're just magical, so, like, I, I can see them, like, eating donuts and pizza all day and be totally fine, because, like, their magical blood just says, oh, it's no calories. It's like eating broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> they burn calories at double the rate that muggles do. Yeah, yeah you know, that could I be true. Because, you know, it, it's one of those things where everything leads, you know, like, just think about what Harry goes through. How, you know, he falls off his broom at, like, a ridiculous height, take it, Dumbledore slowed him down, but all he did was, like, break his arm. Like that's yeah. kind of like they're like superheroes. Actually, I think you. I think we've stumbled on something here because look at look at Harry. I mean, he's skinny as a as something that's skinny, and <laughs> the, he lives with the Dursleys. And the Dursleys are the number one Muggles, like the first people we see that are not magical, and we spend the most time yeah. with them. And they're huge. Well, surely you know, well, being magical will burn more calories. I think Laura was absolutely right. <laughs> I know you were joking, Laura, but 
I wasn't joking. I was totally serious. I think it makes sense. I think it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because like, what if like magic is like another muscle and it's just invisible? Like, right. so every time you use magic, <laughs> uh, you're working out. Gotta stretch my magic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, enough with the, the, the fitness at Hogwarts. Um, Micah, how about you read the next email? Next email comes from Graham, and he says, Hey guys, I'm loving the show, especially chapter by chapter. Just wondering, how does Draco use the Serpensordia spell in the Dueling Club chapter? Conjuring charms are past owl level and would be hard with a living thing. Even though Snape told him the right spell, I can hardly believe a second-year student could perform it. Please give me your feedback. Thanks, and once again, I love the show. That's a good point. I would just... Maybe his dad. Continuity error, maybe. Just because that particular spell was later determined to be part of a complex... Yeah. yeah, but even still, though, I mean, there's always examples of students doing things earlier on in school than what they should be capable of like doing. Like Harry and the Patronus. Yeah. But he did receive special, special training about that. Although, I, I mean, like, you guys will have to refresh my memory because this was last week and I wasn't on. But in the book, wasn't the snake not actually a snake? Like, it was a smoky, like, kind of apparition had to be a snake because he was talking to it. Yeah, yeah no, it was, it was a snake. Okay, because I just seem to remember that it wasn't the same as how they presented it in the movie. That must have been last night, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday again. Yeah. All those smoky apparitions. 21st birthday, mind you all. I, it, it sort of like, it sort of reminds me of uh, Ron speaking parcel tongue and not learning it. Like, you can say spells or just, things can come in your mouth and it'll still happen. Oh. What? I know this doesn't directly relate. I know that's kind of a dirty joke, Laura, <laughs> okay. but <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> but who's to say his dad couldn't have taught him the spell? Right. Or maybe How Snape did. How to conjure did. snakes? <laughs> yeah, maybe Snape did. We don't know. It still makes Malfoy a little git for cheating. Right. Yeah, well, it was very unfair. He's Malfoy. I said, disarm only. Final email today comes from uh, Claire17 of North Dakota. I'm just in the midst of listening to your chapter-by-chapter discussion in episode 185. Your comment that it seems a bit over the top that Harry was the first first to the scene of the crime at almost every basilisk attack made me think. Can you imagine, guys? We made somebody think. That's pretty cool. I wondered if it was... 100 an episode. 186 episodes in. <laughs> Finally, we made someone think. I, wonder if, I wondered if it was possible that it's not merely coincidence. Is it possible that Tom Riddle is deliberately fooling with Harry, sending the Basilisk to attack people in close prox- proximity to him? Could Tom actually be framing Harry? Not knowing Harry, Riddle might assume that the best way to provoke Harry into searching for the chamber is to put his reputation on the line. It's not until far later on that he changes tactics, attacking people close to him, like Hermione, and finally taking Ginny uh, to the chamber. I think that's a good theory. I think it's okay. It, it, the, the problem is, in in it was kind of random when Riddle could actually gain enough power and seduce Ginny. Because, like, she would, like, randomly wake up in chicken patches by Hagrid's hut. Right. Like she said, like, later she would just, like, wake up there yeah. and stuff. And I think it's, I, I, I think, I mean, with Riddle, and, and the question being, you know, is he deliberately sending the basilisk to attack people in close proximity? I don't think so, because the snake is using the pipes to travel, and they don't really, I mean, how would it, that would take too much coordination. It's really just a little possessed Ginny who's going around and setting the snake on people, I think. The fact that people who die are close to, or people who get petrified are close to where Harry is, or Harry's always first in the scene, is more to do with Harry is the one who's always roaming the halls and not really doing 
what he's supposed to, and he's the one in, in involved in this mystery. And the fact that he can hear the snake, too. Yeah. Well, Which draws him out, and, you know, while everyone else is And also, class. like, the when Hermione gets attacked, didn't um, Percy's girlfriend, what's her name, Clearwater? No. Penelope. Penelope Clearwater. Yeah, Penelope Clearwater get attacked at the same time. Couldn't it be more along the lines that it wasn't even going after Hermione, but going after Penelope Clearwater? Because didn't Ginny know that, what's his name, was uh, Percy? Yeah, <laughs> Was kind of with her. And yeah. that was, like, on her mind because he was being a jerk to her. Yeah. Well, I don't. Th- I don't think any of this was malicious. I think it was just who the snake stumbled upon. Yeah. I mean that. That's really how it came across to me. I mean, even Moaning Myrtle happened to be in the bathroom at that time. Happened to peek her head out, you know, and and see the basilisk as it was coming out of the sink. Yeah, I mean, I I think this theory is good because I still have a hard time believing. You know, the, the Hogwarts Castle is huge. So, you know, Harry running into all these cases, being the first to run into all these cases each time, see, it does seem a little odd. But Yeah, but okay. Riddle says he doesn't even take an interest really in Harry until Harry finds the diary. All right. Yeah. And, and you also got to remember, like, this is from Harry's perspective. The snake could have been roaming around again because, remember, the spiders run from it. We just don't know about it because it's, again, from Harry's perspective. Mm-hmm. The snake mm-hmm. could have been roaming the halls, you know, when Harry wasn't around. All right. <laughs> just didn't find anybody, you know. Yeah. Went on a stroll and no one was out. Well, that does it for emails this week. And now it's time to talk about this week's set of chapter chapters. Uh, this week we're looking at chapters 13 through 15 of Chamber of Secrets. We're about three quarters of the way through the book. Um, and these fo- these chapters really focus on the series getting on oh, the books getting darker. We're getting we're getting deeper into the plot as Harry discovers um, discovers the diary and its secrets. So um, Eric, Micah, and I uh, prepared um, discussion points for each chapter. Uh, Eric did the first chapter. Micah did this, uh, the next one, and I did the last one. So we're gonna let Eric uh, control this one. Which is chapter 13. Eric, I was reading through your notes. Lots of interesting points you bring up. My first note here is the ch- the chapter title. Episode, uh, chapter 13 of book two is called The Very Secret Diary. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was cool because the diary uh, is the key to opening the Chamber of Secrets. Yes. The Very Secret Diary. Ha-ha. Oh, I get it. Like Ha-ha. secret, chamber secrets. Got it. Also, I remember that... Um, Chapter 13, I was as I was reading this, I was compiling it, and I realized, oh, we find the diary in this chapter. That's when Harry finds Riddle's diary. And I remembered that uh, Chapter 13 has a special significance in at least the first few Harry Potter books. I don't know about the rest. Um, but Chapter 13 in Goblet of Fire, for instance, is called Mad-Eye Moody. And at the end of uh, Chapter 13 in Half-Blood, in, sorry, in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, Sirius Black breaks into the Gryffindor dormitory. So Chapter 13 in the Harry Potter books is when the villain... Uh, is first revealed, uh, or or is you know chapter thirteen is about the villain of whatever current book it's on. At least it, it, that works for the first few books, I think. Oh, interesting. Well, I, I definitely understand. You know that would that would be a cool little Easter egg since thirteen, of course, is the notoriously unlucky number. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my first real point, though. Okay, so they've just come off the Polyjuice Potion chapter, and uh, Hermione is a cat and is just recovering in the hospital wing. And uh, Harry and Ron go to visit her, and they find under her pillow a Get Well Soon card from, from Gilderoy Lockhart. And it's interesting. I just want I want to read it quickly, because it seemed, reading this, I don't know if it's just 
me being older and, you know, obviously having less innocence. But this seems kind of weird. Okay, I'm going to read this to you. This is the the Get Well Soon card. To Miss Granger, wishing you a speedy recovery from your concerned teacher, Professor Gilderoy Lockhart, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of Dark Force Defense League, and five-time winner of Which Week's Most Charming Smile Award. I wonder if he actually hand-wrote all that. Um, But regardless, so I was thinking, like, I got into thinking, okay, this is Lockhart, but why did he send... Uh, Hermione, this this get well soon card. It it seems kind of interesting to me that he would take that much interest in. I mean, even if she is like his favorite student, it seems kind of weird to me that he would actually write to his fan. Like if we're viewing Lockhart as like a real person, I, you know, he's like. I, I, I think it's sort of in his character to, to to be this. Oh, look at me! I care so much for everyone at Hogwarts. Blah 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 blah. I think he just wanted to write his name in all his credits. Something else, <laughs> like really, and winner of like, which we could five times. You know, that smile. Like I, I think it's it, just that's just his, you know, his personality. I think. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I just I, it struck me as weird, but I'll I'll move on anyway. Moving on. <laughs> um, Harry and Ron uh, leave the hospital wing where Hermione is still healing. Um, she no longer has facial hair, which is nice. Uh, and they find Filch complaining about Moaning Myrtle, who has just uh, wet the floor again in the corridor. And they go into Myrtle's bathroom, and I realize, you know, even though we've seen Harry and Ron go into Myrtle's bathroom several times, it is a girl's bathroom. And I remembered that scene in Order of the Phoenix when they try and go up and visit Hermione in the girl's common or girl's dormitory. And they can't because it's uh, protected. It's no boys allowed. And so I just wanted to mention that that's kind of interesting that the girls' bathroom is not um, boy-proof. Um, so if you want to get your snog on, do it in the bathroom and not in the dormitory. Mm, that's romantic. <laughs> Did, didn't they also go into the girls' dormitory when the troll attacked, too? The girls' bathroom. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes, you're right. Well, I think Harry just liked going to the girls' bathroom, obviously. You, you so. know what? He spends a lot of time there. I think Joe actually says in the book that she notes this specifically that they don't, uh, there's no need for any sort of security to keep people out because nobody wants to go in because Moaning yeah. Myrtle's in there. So it, it, it doesn't, it, nobody's well, bothered by it. Or so they don't have to worry about it. Oh, because Moaning Myrtle for life. Yeah, they don't want to do that. Okay, you know, especially they. Nobody wants to go and make out in there and. Well, that's have only Moaning Myrtle's Myrtle. bathroom. That's not like every girl's bathroom. I think Eric was bringing yeah. up like the girls' dormitory. The steps turn into a slide, whereas like the girls' bathroom, Ron and Harry just kind of go in there whenever they feel like it, like when a troll attacks or to see Moaning yeah. Myrtle. But but that's. Oh, oh, I see what you're but saying. But it was so over the top. You know, they're just trying to go upstairs and tell Hermione right, something right. In, in order the Phoenix. And it turned, you know, there's a whistle that blows. <laughs> right. And it's it's really it's slightly ridiculous. It's no but, boys um, in the dormitory. Yeah. I don't so. know, cooties. Anti-cootie charm. But they do go into Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, find this book on the floor. They talk to Myrtle. Myrtle's like, they tried to hit me with the book. Um <laughs> And uh, Ron warns Harry when he's ab- he's about to pick up the diary and find out what it is, and Ron warns him that there's these books that his dad always tells him about. Ron's dad has all the connections. And uh, tells him about all these weird books, ones that you can never stop reading, one that burns your eyes out, and one that makes you speak in limericks, which are like incantation, really dark, weird right. language. So I just thought that was interesting. It's It's the world of J.K.R. being fleshed out to be able to think about, well, okay, people have magic, what would they do with it? To see that there are these books that are enchanted and, and books you could never stop reading. Uh, you know, I wonder if there aren't already a few of those in our Muggle world anyway. So, mm. but that was worth noting. Uh, powering through, 
Harry has a Horcrux moment here. Uh, over the next few weeks, he's 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 trying to get stuff out of the the diary, and Hermione tries a few of her spells and uh, all that stuff. But uh, here's a quote from the books. It says, Harry couldn't explain even to himself why he didn't just throw Riddle's diary away. The fact was that even though he knew the diary was blank, he kept absentmindedly picking it up and turning the pages as though it were a story he wanted to finish. (laughs) Maybe it's called Harry Potter. And while Harry was sure he had never heard the name T.M. Riddle before, it seemed to mean something to him. This, to me, seems like either foreshadowing or, or something that Harry is a horcrux or that He's affected so much by this by this diary, which we later find out is a co-Horcrux or has part of Voldemort's well, soul in you, it. You didn't finish it, Eric, but, but further on there, it actually goes on to say it. Yeah, T.M. Riddle almost feels like someone he may have known when he was a yeah, young kid, like a friend. But then he says that's ridiculous because he didn't have any friends till he got to, Hor- uh, to Hogwarts. Or like someone who killed his par- parents. Yeah, so when he recognized when he was a baby. Like, where is yeah. it at? I don't have the book open right now, but... yeah. It goes, and that's that's the end of that quote. I cut it off there because it didn't seem to support my Harry is also I th- a Horcrux I, I think theory. it supports it even more because it's like he met T.M. Riddle when he was a baby. He well, he didn't meet T.M. Riddle. He met Voldemort. Who he is T.M. Riddle? It's, it's the same thing, right? Though. But it, it wouldn't a, mean that Lily Lily wouldn't say, "Oh, Tom Riddle is here to kill us." No, no, no. But you like, know? but I'm talking about like his soul is in him, and he met Voldemort when he was young. I think it supports even in, more. I guess, yeah, in the most intimate way you can meet someone is yeah. have their soul attached to you. Yeah, exactly. So I think, it, I think, it, uh, I think it, you know, goes to that theory a little bit more. Even when I was yeah. reading this for our segment, I didn't even think about that that whole Horcrux connection. But yeah, that's a that that I really agree. That is totally a a Horcrux sort of moment, and certainly is probably the best explanation we as readers could make out of that. Reading back, reading the series mm. back. Yeah. That's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, it was totally it's like an support. aha moment from where I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sorry, I get excited when cool. I read the <laughs> the Mandrakes. Uh, this is my next note here. Uh, Madame Pomfrey informs the school. Uh, it's another few weeks, and she tells everyone that uh, the people who are petrified should be healed soon because the Mandrakes are growing up and becoming moody and secretive. What do they get all so emo <laughs> and gossipy? They get all emo and start listening to. <laughs> Countless. I, you know, honestly, I couldn't remember how much you know. Madame Poffrey talked about uh, the mandrakes in this in these last these couple chapters, but honestly, she's like, "Oh yeah, they're trying to move into each other's pot and have a party." And I'm like, "Really? (laughs) The mandrakes are trying to have party?" Like it was just like a joke running in the background almost, and it just made me laugh every time I get to it. Didn't she also say they were developing acne? Yeah, as soon as the acne cleared up, they'd be all ready to go. That's funny. So these are like, these are just being personified and they're mandrakes. I need to see these mandrakes. Yeah, I I think that somebody should write uh, a story set, you know, the main characters of the mandrakes that are growing up in year two (laughs) and they're about to be chopped up and and used to... And not know about it, trying to escape. But but they get to have a party and, you know, (laughs) listen to Gaga. Yeah, yeah. Gaga right away. (laughs) Um, So Lockhart comes up with this brilliant idea of what to do to make everybody's mood cheer up um on valentine's day he paints the school pink uh so adorable ribbons everywhere i know i know it's a shame they didn't carry that tradition over you know the following years uh with all of it but there's a quote here what's going on harry asks them sitting down and wiping confetti off his bacon <laughs> 
<laughs> which is hilarious. And there's, of course, these these traveling uh, dwarves uh, yeah. dressed as cupids, and Lockhart is wearing robes of pink. I thought that was a clever little idea. I, I find it fabulous. Everybody else in the school didn't like it, but... I thought it it's was a fat. good way to disguise um, as well too. It's because when the uh, when Harry gets finally gets his singing Valentine, um, and he sees Ginny run off, she's also of course just discovered that he has the diary right. she tried to flush. So he confuses it then, you know, mistakes it as being her being embarrassed because you know Malfoy said, "Oh, I think your boyfriend hated the Valentine." Whatever, but um, but actually Ginny's really upset because she just saw that Harry dropped the diary. And and she sees that he has it, which is the last person that she wants. Oh my God, he's reading my diary. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of cool. I thought it was a, a definitely good events that happen. And that um, there's another foreshadowing moment I wanted to point out where Snape, uh, this is still in the Great Hall, and Lockhart says something to the effect of, you know, ask Snape to brew you a love potion. Uh, anybody who's interested. And it says that Snape was looking as though the first person to ask him for a love potion would be force-fed poison. <laughs> Having just seen the... Uh, and that's a good way of putting it, you know, even without it being foreshadowing, I think that's a, just a nice phrase. Um, but I, just having recently seen the sixth movie, uh, I was I, rem- I remembered about Ron uh, eating those love potion cookies from Romilda Vane. And uh, then, of course... Um, Harry taking him to Slughorn and, and, and then Ron is force-fed poison, um, thinking it would, you know, help him take the edge off. So that just seemed like a sequence of events. Books two and six are linked, you know. We yeah. Talked mm-hmm. about that ad nauseum, so yeah. yep. figured that would be one more thing. Um, Harry finally unlocks the key to the diary and gets, uh, because he realized that the diary sucks. I'm not going to say that on the podcast. Um, anyway, he, uh, he unlocks the key to the diary and also gets traded to a memory. This is interesting because we, of course, have a tool to view people's memories, and it's not at all a diary. Um, but this is our first glimpse into someone else's memory. Uh, it's Riddle talking to Professor Dippet about staying at Hogwarts over the summer. And um, basically we get this, this really cool ending to the chapter, which is... Uh, Harry suspects, or, or is basically shown by Riddle, that Hagrid, keeper of the keys and grounds at Hogwarts, is the person who opened the Chamber of Secrets 50 years ago. Right. And it's interesting because we as readers, the first time we're reading this, we're like, oh my god, we've seen Hagrid and he's so innocent and lovable and happy. And now there's exactly. yeah, now there's a sudden moment where we have doubts about him possibly. And this also reminds me, I was re- I was I I just started rereading uh, Deathly Hollows the other day, and it sort of reminds me as the first time we're reading that book and we see um we, uh, Harry, it, it, it's a very short moment, but we see that Harry is, um, you know, after the Seven Potters flight, Hagrid is laying there on the ground and Harry, uh, tries to wake him up and it takes him a little, a little bit to wake him up. And we knew that Deathly Hallows was going to be a bloodbath and we're like, oh my god, is he actually, did J.K. Rowling actually kill Hagrid? But well, after Hedwig, it was really anybody's. <laughs> all bets you know, are off. It's like all bets are off. He pulled out like, all the stops. <laughs> like, come on, you know. he just they just killed his owl off. Like, come on, and nothing, every, nothing else is safe. <laughs> I still remember the 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 shock on Laura's face when she read that. Part. I was so upset. <laughs> yeah, it was totally sad. It was funny because Laura just <gasps> and then and then Jamie like wasn't it Jamie or was it 
somebody else like one minute later was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all made different noises upon reading the death. But what was your story behind it, Laura? Well, okay. You guys know Elisa Montfort, right? Well, of yeah. course you all do. But anyway, um, she's been on the show a couple of times. And she, myself, and a few other friends of ours got together for the release of Half-Blood Prince in 2005. And Elisa was kind of far behind everybody else. So she didn't know what was going on. And another friend of ours had already finished the book. And at one point I was like, oh, we haven't seen Hedwig for a while. Oh, and geez. this friend of ours just like had this terrible, evil smile on her face, trying to convince us that Hedwig died. And Elisa was practically in tears because she'd been up for 24 hours at this point reading. And she was like, no, Hedwig can't die. <laughs> and then I get to book seven and Hedwig dies. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a terrible twist of fate. It was. But yeah. So Poof goes the owl. Poof goes Poof the goes owl. owl. Poof goes my plush replica of Hedwig that I got for pre-ordering the uh, seventh book. Yeah, they're suddenly worthless. So that's it for chapter 13. Uh, and now Micah will cover chapter 14. Yay! Cornelius Micah. Fudge. Cornelius Fudge. Go ahead, Micah. I'm not so sure why they named the chapter that, though. You know, me neither. I didn't even notice the chapter title. Then you just said it, and I was like, what? Say what? As uh, Eric just mentioned, we find out that supposedly Hagrid was the one responsible for opening up the Chamber of Secrets. And, you know, Harry goes and has this conversation with Ron and Hermione, and there seems to be a huge debate that's taking place among, you know, the trio about who opened the Chamber of Secrets. Now, with all the research and all the library visits and everything else that goes on in this series, I wanted to know why couldn't they just go and try and figure out if this is really what Hagrid was expelled for all those years ago, why couldn't they ask a professor? Why couldn't they go to Dumbledore? Remember that whole Harry, is there anything you wish to tell me? Yeah, yeah. Moment? <laughs> I think it's... I Well, I think the trio are just afraid to be, you know, asking the staff about this. I think they want to keep their little investigation undercover, and they don't want to go asking other people because then, uh, you know, their, their cover's sort of blown. Then people are knowing that they're being all, that they're snooping around. Well, at the same time, though, didn't uh, Tom Riddle tell Harry that uh, it was a cover-up, that no one knows the truth? You know? Why? Mm. So, right there, oh, Harry, that's a good point. Harry knows at the end of Chapter 13 that no one else knows, because Tom Riddle, who he has no reason not to believe or to believe, tells him that it was a cover-up, and that's why he, got this, he got this special award, and no one knows why. Uh, I was initially, yeah, that's a good point. I was initially going to say that, uh, well, if they asked about the Chamber of Secrets, none of the teachers even think that it exists for real. So, like, anything about the myth, etc., they would have gotten nowhere. But then I was reminded, or then I got the feeling that, well, of course, uh, expulsion records, you know, things like, if they were to look at, you know, how many students from Hogwarts you think ever got expelled, there had to be a list and maybe a reason, just like there's awards for special services to the school. There should be, you know, maybe even a daily profit, you know, notice, something like that. It seems like that could have been uh, the road for them to take if they were to, to research it. So I think it's a, a valid point, but what Mikey just said, yeah, I mean, well, Harry and, trusts. And also at the same time, I like I almost actually believe, even though we know who Tom Riddle is and that he's probably his line, but I actually kind of believe that it really was a cover-up. Because one... There was really no permanent proof because one, Aragog was never found. 
it was basically Riddle's word versus Hagrid's, and Hagrid probably admitted yes, there was you know an acromantula you know in the castle, but it was never, it was like word, his word against his, and I think it was a covered up to protect Hagrid. And that's why he, yeah. you know, he never went. So I'm sure it was completely covered up. And truthfully, Cornelius Fudge is the topic title. Why would the Minister of Magic come to it? Because it's probably a hush hushed up. And he had to go through and find out what happened 50 years ago. And he was privy to that information. And that's why it was the Minister of Magic taking care of this. The ministry has to do something, Nalbus. A couple of weeks pass and they get into discussion about what they're going to be taking in third year in terms of courses. And uh, Ron was saying something along the lines of he would be giving up defense against the dark arts if he could, because look at the way Lockhart has taught him uh, this past year. And I thought it was interesting that Hermione responded by saying very fiercely that it's important, you know, and with the role that defense against the dark arts plays in this series I don't know, I just kind of find it kind of funny that Ron was willing to give it up all the way back in year two, and it was Hermione who turned around and said, no, you need to take this. Yeah, well, there's the mother in Hermione. I mean, you know, I I think, I think, I I don't know. I guess Ron doesn't always have the, the, the best common sense, but I would think that's sort of a class that even, you know, it's a class you would want to take. Like, don't you want to be prepared? I mean, I don't know. Mm. Maybe not in year five, but definitely year three. No, we're talking about I, year two. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's optional. I mean, I, I don't understand yeah, how defensive against the dark arts is kind of optional. Yeah, well, it's not. But he's just saying it because Lockhart's a git, and oh, he doesn't okay. want another teacher like him. This was kind of a bad choice for Dumbledore, you know, to make for a teacher. It really was, though. But... No, I think it, I think. Well, it... we talked about this. We said that um, it, no other teachers were coming forward. It was very hard to find someone to fill the position. And, uh, you know, so Dumbledore was just taking anyone who would go into it because it's always been cursed. So, And it teaches Harry and Ron not to believe in authority. Yeah, which was a good lesson. <laughs> so the diary now gets stolen. And we learn that only a Gryffindor could have taken it because only a Gryffindor could have gotten up into Harry's room. Yeah. And my question is, shouldn't this have been a bigger deal? I mean, they trashed his room. Doesn't something like this get reported? Yeah, it's pretty scary. Well, he, he he had the option to report it or not. Remember, Hermione kept telling him that he should have, and he didn't. Well, didn't one of his bunkmates know? Like, wasn't Dean, like, standing outside the room? Like, dude, they Yeah, had- Neville was the one who told him. Right. Like, someone went through your stuff, Harry. Cool. And actually, Eric, you brought something up. Remember when the in book five, the boys went up to uh, the girls' room and it, they turned into a slide? How come when the girls yeah. go up, it doesn't do that, too? Well, it, that's all, that's explained in the, in the yeah. book. It's, it? just, it's just implied that, that girls are more trustworthy and that they won't be abusing the privilege. But it'd be, it'd be better if, they, if the boys' dormitory did have that because then Ginny wouldn't have been able to go up and take... The diary. She would have had to get. She would have had to start seducing boys and getting them to do it for her years <laughs> before. Years at the age of two, that, right? At the yeah, no, well, not two. Second year. Yeah, it was her right. first year. Yeah, so she's eleven. Yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah. So before the big Quidditch match, um, Harry goes and has breakfast, and as they're leaving to go down to the Quidditch pitch, Harry hears the basilisk. And now all of a sudden, Hermione has an epiphany because we're in chapter 14. And she says, now I've figured <laughs> Only out. 17 chapters in the book. 
what it is, or she thinks she's figured it out. So she heads off to the library. And again, one question that comes out of this is, is if she thinks she knows what's going on, why not go to a professor? Why go to the library? I'm not saying she knew that she would have been attacked, of course, but it's one of those things. It's one of those loops or not loops but holes in the plot well, that you would just say well why not go to professor McGonagall? i think too they had been cautioned against looking into this kind of thing particularly given what happened at the end of their first year yeah. i don't think they wanted anybody to get in the way of their investigation and also um ron had warned harry earlier in the book that hearing voices even in the wizarding world wasn't a good thing so it might have been something that hermione was considering as being more confidential yeah, and Harry certainly after earlier events in this book, where um, you know the students see Harry talking to the talking to the snake during the dueling club chapter, um, or speaking parcel tongue, uh, you know I don't think Harry wants to go too public with this. And even though you know it's just telling teacher, I think Harry and Hermione in particular sort of get this thrill off of um, off of uh, you know figuring it this out. Up. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, uh, but but you also got to understand though, Hermione is the type of person who wouldn't tell her ideas to a teacher she would only tell McGonagall or Dumbledore once she was positive so the fact she had to go to the library to verify that she thought Mm. she knew what it was and then that's when she got petrified we could have you know for all we know she could have been going to tell before she went to go tell you she could have been going to tell McGonagall when she got petrified we don't know I think that's yeah. a good idea. Harry's yeah. perspective that's, again. Remember yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Guesswork and all that works, you know, or doesn't work with when you know when you present it to authorities. So I think that's that was what I was going to say too. That that Hermione. Uh, and she's very factual. Could, that's just her personality. You know. Well, I'm just glad she wrote pipes on that little piece of paper just in case. <laughs> right. So they pipes. Thank God out. for that one word. It's a cool little plot twist. You know, Harry and Ron lose Hermione, so now they have to do the, to do this on their own. You know. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. Onward, Micah. So McGonagall comes to inform them that Hermione has been petrified, and then she goes up to address all of Gryffindor, and she asks anybody with information to come forward. And again, instead of giving any information about what's going on, Harry and Ron decide that it's better off to go see Hagrid and discuss what Harry had seen in Riddle's diary. Um, but the same, I know we could debate the same thing over and over again that we have, but just to kind of move it along, we get to Hagrid's hut and, um, the whole scene that, that follows is Dumbledore shows up, Cornelius Fudge shows up and Lucius Malfoy shows up. And we learn that Hagrid is being blamed again for the attacks at the school and he's going to be taken away to Azkaban. And this is also our first introduction to Cornelius Fudge, the minister. And another thing we learn is that Dumbledore, because of what's going on at the school, is being given an order of suspension. And, you know, I made a note here. I'm not really sure how the governmental structure works, but couldn't Fudge have stepped in here and said, well, I don't really think this is the best time for us to be losing our headmaster? Well, he did sort of say something similar to that, but um, Lucius also points out that um, he he they the governors have authority over over Fudge. I mean, he does explicitly state that. So, uh, I guess hmm. not. I guess technically no. I think it's interesting because we're at this period of time where it's been twelve years since since Voldemort's first downfall. 
and they aren't yet it's it, they aren't yet ready to believe that he's like on his way back and stuff but the, you know these murders at Hogwarts and everything are, are making Fudge very uneasy and he, he kind of has to do what the governors want I think well that it's like an interesting yeah. point that that was another thing I, th- I was it Fudge who brought that up he said that um you know he has to oh well he says that he says to Hagrid that the reason he's throwing him in Azkaban is that he does have to do something he does have to act to show that he's trying. So. Yeah, it's it's fudge is more reactionary than actionary. Yeah, if the, if that's the appropriate term, I think that means something no, else. I, but it, no, I definitely tends it's, to, that's definitely it because you see him being reactionary to every single thing in all the books. Yeah, like he doesn't take action. He waits. I mean, he waits for something to happen. Sure, sure enough, you know, he has to see Voldemort with his own eyes before he does anything about it. He, he does. He's he's not a he's not a proactive, uh, you know, governor or minister. So. Uh, you know, after all of the theatrics that take place here, um, Dumbledore, you know, gives that famous line of, you'll find that I will only truly have left the school when none here are loyal to me. And that plays a huge role uh, later on in this book, and you could argue later on in the series as well. But just kind of the final point I wanted to bring up about this chapter is, you know, we always talked, I think in previous shows, about how Dumbledore could see through invisibility cloaks. Um, and I wondered, but does, knowing what we know now, does this have more to do with Dumbledore sensing the presence of one of the Deathly Hollows? Mm-hmm. I think knowing that's that a cool theory. The invisibility cloak is in the room. Yeah, that's a very good that's point. That's interesting. Huh. Good job, Mike. Oh, wow. Ah. So you're saying that that the cloak. Not being just an ordinary cloak, right. being in fact right. a hallow, which Dumbledore has studied, emanates a particularly high degree of magic. Right. Yeah. Right. Attuned ears can. And he would only know, you know, when Harry, because Harry's the only one that has that. All right. What else do we learn in this oh. chapter, Micah? Micah, good one. Good one. Uh, so, follow the spiders. <laughs> Too bad Ben's not here. Follow the spiders. Follow the spiders. But uh, we all know where that leads. That leads into the next. Does it lead to the next chapter? Yes. Or is it the it one after? No, no, it's, it's the next, next chapter. Chapter, yeah. chapter 15. What's, what's it called? I don't have it in front of me. Aragog. Aragog, yes. So, chapter 15, the final chapter we're discussing today. Um, in Potions class, in this chapter, Malfoy asks Snape why he doesn't apply to become the new headmaster. Um, and I thought that was a little bit of foreshadowing, of course, because in Deathly Hollow, Snape does become the headmaster for a little period of time. He, he should have just replied, because I have to kill the headmaster before I do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, well, just to completely silence the class. He does kind of like, shrug it off, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not time yet. Wait, four books. Um, and then we see Snape es- escort the students to Herbology. And I'm wondering, even with these escorts, you know, they, they instated these a chapter or two ago, having the teachers ex- escort the students to the classes for sta- safety. What would any of these professors be able to do to fight against the Basilisk? Because, uh, you know, uh, would they be able to do anything? They don't even know what's going on. Well, Lockhart would would at least smile at the Basilisk. <laughs> But that's certainly, he's, he's got a charming not, smile. He's like, hi. That certainly would not save them. I mean, I know this is sort of like a precautionary measure, yeah, but... It, it makes sure that students don't wander off, which is actually probably the best way to get killed by a basilisk, is if you're not... Yeah. You know, if you're alone. Okay, okay. Well, that's and, probably a good point. Well, and also, in our hindsight, we also know that by the te- you know teachers escorting them, Ginny had no way of leaving, which then the basilisk wouldn't come out then. Right. Mm. So... 
So it's good to be supervised. Good to know where your kids are. You know. Yeah. It's 2.30 p.m. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> With Snape. <laughs> Ernie McMillan apologizes to Harry for accusing him of releasing the creature, as Ernie knows that Harry would never allow an attack on Hermione. <laughs> kind of an immature thing to say, in my opinion. Like, oh, well, I believe you now, just because, you know, your friend... It was sort of like a sympathy kind of thing. I don't know. I wasn't too convinced. I didn't think it was very... Ernie's a tool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He is one of the for. only Hufflepuffs in this series who's given dialogue, and you just called him a tool. <laughs> he is a Respect, tool. Respect, Micah. Equality for he all. He is a tool. Laura just called him one, too, so that legitimizes... <laughs> He's wow. a tool, yeah. He's a tool. Um, Harry and Ryan decide to head out to follow the spiders, and they do bring along Fang. Uh, and Harry, Ron, and Fang get picked up by, I'm sort of skipping along here, you know, to, uh, get through this chapter. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Fang get picked up by huge spiders and bring them into the heart of the forest. They go very deep into the forest, and they meet Aragog for the first time, who reveals he was not the creature released in the Chamber of Secrets. So now we all had a sort of sigh of relief, you know, phew, maybe it wasn't Hagrid. Um, and we also learned from Aragog that Hagrid had raised Aragog, Aragog within a cupboard in Hogwarts, and once the school learned what Hagrid was up to, Aragog had to be moved to the forest. And we also learned that the girl who was killed by the basilisk died in a bathroom. So Aragog, you know, they talk, they, they learn these things from Aragog, and then, um, He's, Aragog still doesn't care that they are friends of Hagrid's, so he allows the spiders to attack Harry, Ron, Harry, Ron, and Fang. And just What's in the, the nick of time, the Ford Anglia, appear, Anglia appears and pushes away some of the spiders and pulls right up to the trio. My question is, what is the deal with this sort of magic going on in the Ford Anglia? I mean, up until... I mean, we we see the Ford Anglia kick out Harry and Ron at the beginning of the book, but you know what kind of magic did um, Arthur Weasley put into this thing where it it, it has some sort of personality? I, I don't know it's how actually, to ex- describe it exactly. It, it means the Autobots are coming. <laughs> They're right around the corner. <laughs> it's actually a precursor. Any theories, guys? What's going on here? Is this just some crazy, you know? I mean, I know t- in today's technology, we have you know we have these smart cars. That you can talk to, but this yeah, is yeah. this is way beyond the Ford Sink and everything else. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. I don't know. You imagine there's this guy hanging out in the woods just taking care of the car, souping it up, you know, pimping it out. And then he, like, knows, because he's read the Harry Potter books, when to send the car out after. I guess that uh, is one theory, yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling describes the Ford Anglia as becoming... What was wild. it? Like, wild. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. It's like an animal is what it really, you know... Last point of the chapter. Uh, Harry and Ron discuss Hagrid's bad decision to tell the two to go meet Aragog. He had assumed that Aragog wouldn't hurt them, and Ron notes that Hagrid puts too much trust in creatures. Do we all agree? I think that was a great, intelligent point that Ron brings up. Um, And at least they did learn two things out of this, uh, which ultimately advanced the plot and arguably make Hagrid's recommended trip worthwhile. For one, Hagrid did not open the Chamber of Secrets... That's the one thing we learned. And two, Moaning, Moaning Myrtle was the one who was killed by the Basilisk the first time. I love this slow reveal of all the stuff that has been written yeah. to have happened 50 years ago, but it's all connected. So do you, do you guys do you guys think Hagrid's a little too... Uh, he trusts creatures a little too much? He's too friendly with them? I don't think he trusts them too much. I think when he's there, it's okay. Because like, you see it with 
you know, Buckbeak in, you know, number three, his, his brother, you know, in Order of the Phoenix, like, his brother's a creature, and Buckbeak's, you know, you know, a creature, and both these things hurt people, you know, but when he's around, ordinary people. but when he's around, he, you know, he has faith that he can tame them, and like, look at yeah. Fluffy, he was able to tame Fluffy. Right. Well, it's like not knowing your own strength, too, because he's a half-giant, yeah. so things that touch him, I mean, look at, and he survived the seven-book epic that is Harry Potter. I mean, he's a tough, tough guy, but he fails to, you know, have that translate to Everyone children, else. Yeah. and especially Aragog is like, I, you know, my children don't harm Hagrid, you know, because, you know, we respect him, but you guys are a fair game. I guess you know. those are Hagrid's best friends, too. Really? Yeah, and yeah, I think he's a lonely think guy. Well, and I think it's because they also relate to him. Because technically, he's half monster too. At least in what Ron would consider the oh, giants right, yeah. are monsters. Yeah. So Hagrid is a uh, fantastic beast. Yeah, he's you know <laughs> he's half giant. So I yeah. think it's one of those things where, and, and at the same time, I also think that if Hagrid had taken Ron and Harry into Aragog's keep, they would not have attacked it because Hagrid would have said Aragog no. And it would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for chapter by chapter this week. We'll wrap it up with quote quiz, 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 quiz. Yeah. Quiz. I certainly remember you saying you were sorry you hadn't had a crack at the monster before Hagrid was arrested. <laughs> Snape. Snape. Uh, Snape. I said probably it, it was either McGonagall or Snape to Lockhart. We can't solve it. So next week, uh, did Eric say there's 17 chapters in this book? No, I thought there were. There's like 19, isn't there? Uh, nine, uh, 18. 18. So next week we will discuss chapters 16 through 18 of Chamber of Secrets, and there's 18 chapters in this book, meaning we're going to wrap it up. Um, well, actually, n- not next episode, because we have a special episode coming next week. We'll explain that at the end of the show, which is in about five minutes. So <laughs> be right back with that statement. Um, we do have one tweet related to this um to these chapters that we talked about today. Guys, uh, we want to encourage you to send in your questions uh, before we talk about each set of chapters. I know we get a lot of feedback after we talk about them, but feel free to send them in before, too, and we'll include them in the show if they're good. Um, this tweet comes from uh, Claire Likes FTSK, whatever FTSK is. She says, Since Voldemort is so infamous in the wizarding world, how come Ron and Hermione didn't know his previous name, Tom Riddle? I think it's purely because of how famous he is. I mean, think about famous people in real life who have different names, like Madonna. Like, like who the, knows the Who knows what Madonna's real name is? Or like Lady Gaga. I know you know Andrew, so don't ruin it. But I don't. Oh, really? Well, you don't? Okay. I sort of do. I know the first half, okay. Stephanie, right? But yeah, it's, it's just how that person becomes known, and it's almost like a, a completely separate persona, in a way. I think that's a good point. But you could also argue that it is the the darkest wizard of all time. So how could but, you not? And well, Tom Riddle, the, people just don't know that Tom Riddle was like eighteen when he went off, like after Hogwarts, and became Voldemort. So unless you knew like Voldemort as a kid, you know, and even Dumbledore doesn't really tell people. Like he wants to get the word out that Voldemort was once called Tom Riddle, etc. That plays a part in the later books, but. I don't think it's. I don't think it's commonly known. You know, people have no to fear Voldemort, so I think that fear keeps them away from knowing. And also, when Tom much. Riddle kind of, you know, became Voldemort, I guess you would say, like when he left that name behind, then he also kind of just leave everything that was Tom Riddle behind and almost kind of destroy any connection to it too. Like he had no family left, 
And he had also, you know, the teacher said he had so much potential and he was wasting this potential. And he then just kind of went off to be Voldemort. And, like, people just kind of assumed that Tom Riddle kind of burned up, you know, washed out. He, he Yeah, he even abandoned his nose. <laughs> in, in fa- well, didn't he fake his own death? I don't know if he faked no. it. I don't think so. But I think it was just one of those things where, like, he was working at Borg and Burks and people said that was a waste of talent. You know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those things where, like... Well, plus Dumbledore says to him, like, you've changed. After after Voldemort comes back seeking a teaching position, this is after he's already... Become Voldemort. Explored the, yeah, and, like, and explored the depths of dark magic. And, like, Dumbledore doesn't even, like, like any of that. Yeah. Because he's already... They, there's some comment in that in that confrontation about Voldemort exploring the the dark ends right. of yeah, and magical you know. stuff. All right. Well, interesting analysis, everyone. Um, and that, that wraps up the penultimate chapter-by-chapter chapter segment for uh, Chamber of Secrets. And Woo-hoo! the penultimate episode of the year. Yeah, That's, wow. Oh, such, you know, speaking of that, I guess what what's on everyone's minds is what will our final episode of 2009 be? You know, we have to go out with a bang. I think we have a pretty good idea. I am really excited about this. I only wanted to do an, uh, uh, a year in review show if we had a really good idea. And I think we got a really good idea. Um, and we'll announce it here. Um, December 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be doing another live episode of MuggleCast, meaning live on Ustream. Each and every one of you could listen to the show um, live as we record it. You'll also be able to participate. We're going to be awarding Potter News Stories and Celebrities several awards in various categories to look back at 2009. And the winners will be chosen by you live during the show. So we're going to have different categories. I'll, I'll give you an example. Here's a little teaser. We're going to have a, a category, Most Interesting Potter Celebrity on Twitter this year. It'll be worded a little better than that. <laughs> and what we're going to do, we're going to put up a poll on the Ustream. While people are watching, we're going to give people 10 to, 15, 10 to 15 seconds to vote. Everyone will vote in that little time frame. Then right there, we will announce the winner, and we'll discuss why You know, we'll be like, oh, well, so-and-so won, but I disagree with that. I think this person won and should have won, and here's why. So it'll be a very fun, very interactive um, way to remember the the stories of the past year. Um, and I was just working on, uh, last night I just wrapped up Magonet's 2009 Year in Review. You know, that page that we create that has um, all the uh, sto- biggest stories of the past year. You know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of crazy stories this year. We're going to have a category for um, most, um, most uh, shocking story. You know, stuff like that. So it'll be a lot of fun. Which is why Harry Potter was the most followed, you know, trend on Twitter for right. movies. There was, See? Because there's that there much news about Harry <laughs> Potter. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so are we, uh, are we going to do, uh, last year we did top seven stories of 2008. Should we do that for 2009 Yeah, maybe we can well? do that too. I mean, th- those may be part of the, you know, the winners that we decide. So, yeah, I mean, we'll work, we'll work on it over the next week. We still have some stuff to work out. But again, December 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern. We hope to see you all on Ustream. Um, there will be a link on MuggleNet.com, on MuggleCast.com, on our Twitter, and on our Facebook. So, no excuses. December 29th, 8 p.m. We'll remember the year 2009 Harry Potter with you all. So it'll be fun. Is that, is that like a be there or be square type thing? Be there or just be a loser. That's, that's oh, my wow. motto. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. The cool kids are You doing- know, I, I, th- I think these live shows are just an excuse for you to play Gaga. <laughs> In the background. <laughs> 
They are not. That's why we're doing two in, in three weeks. I'm just trying to entertain. What can I say? Um, a couple other announcements before we wrap up the show. Don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley because it is MuggleCast Mecember and you must vote for us. <laughs> we, we appreciate your vote during every month that starts with the letter M. So thank you for that. And lastly, Infinitus 2010 is approaching. It's this July. We load up the site. It's July 15th to the 18th in Orlando, Florida. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, surrounding the opening of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. We're going to be some of the first people to go into the theme park. We're going to be partying in the park. It's going to be crazy. Laura's 21 now. Woo! Who knows what and she's going to be doing. Andrew will be 21 by then. I will. I yeah. will. And Whoa. so we'll be crazy together, Laura. <laughs> and <laughs> Drinking butterbeer. Well, exactly. you know, the butterbeer is actually going to be non-alcoholic in the park. I, I know. Oh, we're going to have to remedy uh, that. Not, not after I'm done with it, Andrew. <laughs> we'll make it alcoholic. We'll bring sure. Mad-Eye Moody's uh, flask in. <laughs> exactly. So, I'll just drink um, fire whiskey. My friend's fire whiskey. We hope to see you all there, all you listeners, because we hope to be doing a podcast there and a couple panel as, panels as well. Oh, yeah, Andrew. Are we going to be podcasting live from no, the ben, theme park? No, Ben. I mean, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, Ben's been asking every week, Laura. I know you haven't been on in a okay. while. Um, it's sort of an inside joke. Can you really say definitively no? I said I don't know. Oh, Did I say no? I meant said, I don't you said, know. You said no. Yeah, oh. There is that Ustream app for your iPhone. We don't know yet. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I've heard about people doing that. Wasn't, didn't Ben do that the other day or something? Yeah, what's that have to do with anything? You can Ustream from the park. Live podcast. Oh, yeah. No. Like nothing. You're there. Oh, and right. everybody See? Well, so so listen, we hope to see you all there. Um, for more details, go to infinitus2010.org. You can register um, now. Registration is open. And when you register, please put MuggleNet or a MuggleCast in a referral box so they know who uh, sent you. So that's it. Thanks again to everyone who voted for us at the Podcast Awards. We really appreciate your support and, you know, the fact that we won Best Entertainment just shows you know that um you know we still have your support and we really 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 appreciate it so i think that's it it's been another fun episode yes it has thanks everyone for listening i'm andrew sims i'm eric skull i'm laura thompson i'm micah tannaville and i'm aragog i mean mikey b (laughs) we'll see everyone next week for episode 188 December 29th, live at 8 p.m. Eastern. You'll be able to download it afterwards, but join us live during the show, and you can help us pick the winners of the best stories of 2009. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Absolutely. And I think everyone as a whole, uh, or er, mostly everyone, not, let me just that, <laughs> edit undo. <clears throat> we have some uh, emails in response to uh, last week's. Keep in mind that we are at 48 minutes, so try to move through them as efficiently as possible. Let me grab my book. Okay. He goes away. <laughs> We're going to move quick. I'm going to be right back, guys. Yeah, yeah. I promise I'll be back quick. Give me a 10-minute smoke break. Eric doesn't smoke. <sighs> Sorry. Just, just for this, we're taking out half his points. 
Someone delete him before he comes back. <laughs> I'm back. Oh, all right. Oh, wait. We're doing chapter 14 and 15 now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, that's it for chapter 13. <laughs>